Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. You may be seated. My wife is a therapist and a marriage and family counselor, and I've really enjoyed being able to look over her shoulder as she's always learning and reading in her uh, profession. And, and I'm learning how uh, my, our theology uh, interacts with or handshakes with our psychology as humanity, the way God wired our, our minds and, our, and our, our personalities to work. One of the things that uh, I learned kind of looking over her shoulder in this, in this journey is that, um, you, you know, when people go through something that's really hard or dramatic or traumatic, that's something tragic, something tragic happened to them, uh, something was done to them, it was really difficult, very hard. Uh, sometimes what happens, not all the time, but sometimes what happens is in their, the way they think about that event, when they look back on it, the way their mind processes it, they look at it as though it was their fault. Like if they just would have gotten there sooner, if they just would have not gone on that trip, or maybe if they would have just said something different, maybe if they wouldn't have gone down that road, or maybe if they would have not worn that outfit. I mean, just they, they think about it and they go, this was my fault. They start thinking about it, that it was something they caused something they deserved. And, and she, she tells me and, and the studies she does, and you read about this if you've read anything in psychology, is that healing really can't begin. Progress really can't start. Breakthrough doesn't happen until the person realizes the truth that they are the victim that it's not their fault, that something happened to them. They didn't do anything that caused it or deserved it in that moment. Something happened to them. They're the victim. And then they can begin to heal. Now, what I'm about to say, I want to be very careful about. I'm be very careful what I'm about to say and the link I'm going to make with that theologically. It is true that you are responsible for your decisions, that in fact, one of the most violent things you can do to somebody is convince them that they're just a wave tossed on the sea of their circumstances, serendipitous, coincidental things that happen to them, and that they have no control, you have no utility, you're just a victim of everything in your life. That's extremely violent and damaging to a person because it's not true. But what the Bible also teaches is that long before you did anything wrong, long before you did anything bad, something happened to you that was wrong and bad. Something happened to humanity that was bad long before you committed your first sin and that you were born with something that was wrong on the inside. And no matter, like we just sang, no matter what we do on the outside, we need inside out change and fix and breakthrough because we are born broken. We're born not wanting to 
give our life and give up control to an almighty God, we're born wanting to keep control, wanting to keep everything in order, wanting to protect, make sure, you know, afraid to lose it, hopefully trying to keep everything, control everything in our life, not give away control, but keep control. We're born not loving our enemies, praying for those that persecute us. We're born resisting those, pushing back on those. We're born not selflessly, sacrificially loving. We're born selfishly trying to preserve and keep and get what's ours. That's how we're born. We're born broken, facing the other way. And we need God. And and you can't have any spiritual healing until you recognize that truth, that you need God to break in and pierce through your inside. You can't change in here by just doing exterior behavior stuff. You need God to break in supernaturally change you from the inside out. In a moment, I'm going to pray over the tithes and offerings given here. And one of the things that God does that he turns and does a complete 180 in the life of a Christian is, is that we handle money and stuff and things that come to us very differently than the rest of the world. You know, the rest of the world has this assumption that what comes to me is for me. Christians, we don't have that. We, that got turned the other way. What comes to us is for others, is to give to God and to others. And, and Christians are different in that we actually get excited about giving it away, giving our talent away, giving it away, serving other people, giving, giving to what God's doing in the world. So we actually get excited. For us, generosity is not this awkward eggshell moment in the conversation. It's actually something we kind of quiver with excitement about because we realize we get to. We don't have to do anything. We get to give. We get to be a part of what the Almighty God is doing in the world, the things that will matter eternity from now. We get, He chose us to be a part of that. He will use what little we have in our hands to do that kind of work. We, we don't have to do anything. We get to do it. So in a moment, I'm going to pray not only that God bless and anoint the, the gifts that have been given online already or that um, will be given the boxes in the back. You can give if you still want to on this website here. But I'm going to pray that not just that they're blessed and God anoint those things, but that we are thankful that we get to be a part of what he's doing, not just in our world, but in the world. Let me pray. Lord, uh, th- this church here, we're just different. We, we get excited about opportunities to give. We don't ask, Lord, what's the bare minimum we have to give? We are looking for where else can we give and where else can we serve? Because, Lord, we have looked honestly at the reality of the cross. We have looked honestly of the incredible wealth that you have given us in eternal life. We've looked at it and we've seen it for what it really is. And so, Lord, we thank you that you have invited us, that you've given us the chance to share that with other people, to give our life away because we've already found it in you. And so, Lord, thank you. We're grateful. We ask that you just bless and anoint every, everything given, Lord, that it might change not only the world around us, not only the world, but even, Lord, use this, this moment of releasing our grip on things to change our own hearts and to help us grip even tighter the things that actually matter, ultimately to grip you with everything we got. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Well, Happy New Year. It, uh, I don't know if you guys do New Year's resolutions. I, I, I do. Um, uh, but, um, but one of the things that I learned in my very first year of marriage, I didn't have to really wait that long to learn. I had to learn a lot. And I made a resolution in my first year of marriage to never have to relearn this lesson, although I can't say I've, I've done it perfectly. But I learned something in my first year of marriage that uh, my, my wife's words and Hannah's words, and maybe this is true of all of us in some ways, but I learned that sometimes she will say things that she means exactly what she is saying. And then there are times when she will say things that mean nothing at all of what she is actually saying. And it's up to me to figure out which time is which. And the time that I realized this, when I realized it was when it was most evident, first year of marriage, I asked her, I said, Hannah, um, it's a couple weeks out. I said, what do you wanna do for your birthday? Her birthday's coming up here in a little bit. I'm asking this question right now, but I asked her my first year, I said, what do you wanna do for your birthday? And she said, nothing. I don't wanna do anything. Just an average, normal day with my husband is all a girl like me could ever ask for. And, and, and then I said, well, what about gift? Well, like if I gave you something, and she said, nothing. I don't need anything. You alone, my husband, you are, you're all the gift I ever asked for. And I thought she meant it. <laughs> and so, her birthday came, and she comes into the kitchen where I'm drinking my coffee, and I first thing, it's, you know, you first thing, you say, happy birthday, Hannah. And she's like, thank you. And she, then she, like, a couple, you know, moments later, what are we doing today? And I said, nothing. <laughs> We're doing nothing at all. Happy birthday. <laughs> See, I'm a, this is what you're dealing with up here. This is, I'm an idiot. So, and then she said, well, what did you get me? And I said, nothing. Gotcha, nothing at all. Didn't even wrap it, because I knew, I remember what you said, nothing. And we're still married to this day. And that is, if you don't believe in the Lord, um, that's a miracle right there. You're looking at one, this guy is still married to that amazing woman, and her birthday is coming up. So, we'll make that mistake again. But here's what I realized, is words matter. <laughs> Words are important. They have, they have power. They can affect change. Good things or tough things or whatever. Words have power. Um, uh, some people, will linguists will debate this. Do our words descriptive? You know, is, uh, do they just describe what's in the world around us? Or do they actually create what's in the world? Do they give creation and meaning to what's around us? And scripture would say the latter. Words create and, and do things. They make change in the world. Now, this is, uh, yeah, they create things. But here's, here's where you get this from. And it goes right back to the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible. In fact, the very first verse, it says, in the beginning, and then it says God created. But here's, here's what we learn, is God created the world, and his hammer and nail, his tool, he didn't have anything, it was his words. It was God said. He created by what he said. There was nothing, there wasn't a pre-existing putty that he grabbed onto and then started to form a universe out of. Nothing existed. He simply spoke it into existence. And a couple of verses later, you see he creates, well, actually in this verse, he creates light in verse three. And there was light. He just said it. 
Couple verses later, verse 26, he gets on to creating humanity. It says, let us make mankind in our image and likeness. Now here's what's interesting. You and I reflect the image and the likeness of a creator whose words create, whose words have the power to create things that were not there before. Now, we're just a reflection and an image that we don't have the fullness of all that, but we reflect that ability. We reflect the ability to be able to do that. So here's what we know, that your words and my words are powerful enough. They're powerful because we are made in the image of a God who spoke things into existence. I don't know. I mean, there's probably a number of things I could talk about if you're in the market for a New Year's resolution that would be helpful to you. But when we get done with this half hour, I think you will be convinced that what the Bible says is true, that if you really wanna see something change for good in your next year, start with your words. Start with how you use your words. This is a very hard sermon <laughs> to preach, coming from someone who spends their life's work uh, talking for like 90 minutes almost every week in front of a bunch of people <laughs> using words. But words are powerful, and they're powerful because we're made in the image of a God who spoke things into existence. So the question is this, how do we use them for good? Because the one thing that God can't do that we do is we can sin. God doesn't sin, we sin. So we can use words to create bad things, to do some things, to twist good things into bad things. We can private, you know, we're not, God is the creator, we're the privators, we're kind of, we're always twisting stuff. We can improve things, but we also can ruin things with our words. So the question before I say, and this is what we're gonna deal with, is how do we use this incredible power for good? Because learning to speak will make or break your life, period. Learning to use your words wisely, will make or break your life. Here's the first verse. If you're still unsure about how powerful words are, here's the first verse. It comes from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You ever have this conversation with uh, maybe your spouse, maybe a friend, uh, family, where um, they said something to you, and then you bring it up later, uh, maybe a while later, and they, they say, well, wait, wait, why are you bringing it? I said that, and you know I didn't mean it. I told you I didn't mean it. I mean, I said it, but I was in a, you know, I was in a fit. I was kind of in, I was in a fit of rage, and I said it, and I didn't mean it. I don't actually mean it. Why do you keep bringing that up? I said I was sorry. You know, I said I was sorry. You ever have that conversation? Maybe you're having that conversation on the way into church this morning. Uh, that, that conversation, here's why you have that conversation. Because words are like swords, and not, not to be graphic, but if I took a sword and I pierced something with it, right, it might take me a few seconds to pull the sword out, wipe it off, put it back in its sheath, but it left something behind, didn't it? It left, I, I pushed it in, pulled it out, and, and, but I left something there, it's different, something's changed, there's a hole there, there's a gaping hole there, and, and, as, as quick as it was to put away that hole there, that's gonna take two things to heal. Two things. It's always two things. Number one is time. Number two is God. It's, all, it's never just, time, look, time just doesn't, time doesn't heal by itself. 
In, in most of the world, if you've ever been to a third world country, I've been to a couple of them and been with, with people in derelict poverty and the smallest cut on their body has a high risk of getting infected and it could kill them, right? Any, any open wound in the ancient world would do this. Any, for most of human history, we were not this sterilized and, and sanitized and domesticated. Most of the world, for most of the humanity, has been, if you have an open wound, particularly a big one, Time doesn't heal it. It just gets infected and you die. You have to apply something else to it. And we know spiritually, it's, it's God, he, God is the only thing that can heal. And he's gonna use words to do it. But it needs time plus healing. It doesn't, words just don't go out into space and do nothing. The Bible tells us, it, they pierce. And here's what's unfortunately true about this. And I wanna be careful about how I'm gonna say this. I'm not saying that good words and positive words are less powerful than hard, negative, critical words. But they are less dramatic and they're less traumatic. You see, in the same way that a sword piercing would, would like, that, that would be an event that would take your breath away. It'd be this big, there'd be a lot of intensity around that as compared to like somebody rubbing some ointment and balm on a wound. I mean, that, the, the piercing of a sword is just more traumatic. It just is. And, 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 and so like this is why when you think back on your childhood, you know your parents probably said good things about you. You had coaches that said good things about you. You probably had teachers that said good things about you, friends that said good things about you. But, but boy, you maybe you can't remember exactly. I mean, maybe a few, but boy, you remember exactly where you were when your dad said that thing about, about you, when he used that word, when, he, when mom said that thing about you, when your coach told you this about your performance, when that, and that negative thing, when that teacher told, gave you that negative feedback, you remember, you remember exactly where you were sitting. You remember what, you may remember what time of the year it was. You, you remember almost what you're wearing. You can remember what they were, and you were. It's like you were there yesterday. It's just, that's just how it is. It's, it, negative words are just, more traumatic than positive ones. So be careful with the sword. I mean, you can spend a whole life, and we're seeing this now, right? And, and this, is, I, this is sobering for me. I mean, I just, again, my life, spending a lot of my life's work up on a stage talking and using words. Your whole life's work. You can spend your whole life doing stuff. And one bad swing of that sword, everything, you just, you, you just killed something. Um, it can all come undone with one loose word. Word, I mean, it's, it, it's not, yeah, it may not feel fair, but that's reality. I mean, I, I took, I'm gonna, I tell you this, I'll tell you my story. I, I took a 360, if you know what that is, a leadership 360 where you have your colleagues anonymously, like 20 of my colleagues gave feedback around my leadership ability. This was years ago, and I was just trying to get self-awareness of how I really am as a leader, how I come across. It's, if you're a leader, you know. Self-awareness is like, is everything. If you know how you come off and how you handle people, you can help better serve them. You can help manage your, your idiosyncrasies, figure out how to serve people better. Um, and at the same time, our church was doing, at the same time as the 360, our church was doing a communication survey. We had about 650 of you all uh, filled out a survey. And, uh, and of the survey in the 360, there was probably about 100, maybe 75 comments typed out about me and my leadership, my preaching. And most of them were great. I mean, like 90% of, of the comments were generous and wonderful and kind. I don't remember any of them. 
I can't tell you what they were. But I can like remember on the page. I can, I, I can see the words. I know the negative ones. I remember those. And I try to, you try to forget this stuff, but it just you can't. Why? It's just how it is. The, the negative stuff can just be a, like a sword sometimes. So watch your words. How do we use this powerful? How do we use this power for good? Be careful about the sword. Don't swing it so recklessly. Be careful about it. But here's the second one, okay? The second way you can have uh, uh, use your words powerfully this year. Be careful about what you don't say. Now, another way for me to maybe phrase this would be, be careful to say things. <laughs> be careful to not be silent on things you need to get out. You know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in my office with somebody and, and they say, boy, if only my dad would have said this about me. He never told me. He never said this out loud about me. If only my mom would have spoken this over me. If only I had a coach that told me this. Or if only I had a, a mentor that looked at me and told me this. It's, it's sometimes the silence on an issue over time is just as violent as a one swing of the sword that was negative and a bad word about you. It can be just as damaging and hurtful. And so be careful to not be too quiet on things that you need to get out. One place I want you to hear me teach on this this morning, one place I want you to hear this from scripture uh, is on the topic of Con confession. Let me start with this passage here. This is in Proverbs chapter 18. This verse here is comes from a um, it comes from a translation called the Amplified Bible. If you've ever been around a translator translating for you and they get to a word or something, they go, ah, well, what they're trying to say is it's kind of like this. And if you, you know, there's not really an English word for it. So it's kind of like this and this together. You know, they give you a couple words to translate what the person that you're trying to understand is saying, right? You ever, you ever heard that? So the Bible, you know, this, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. And so uh, there's a version of the Bible, the Amplified Bible, it tries to do this. It tries to really give you a little bit extra words to help, the, help you understand what the Hebrew, Hebrew author is saying. So this is one of those translations in, in Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18 says this, uh, verse 20 and 21. A man's moral self, which is your character, okay? The, your character is filled. You wanna have good character this year? You wanna like improve your, your character with people? It's, it's filled, ready for this? With the fruit of his mouth. The, the consequences of what you say. Not what you say, but the consequences, the outcomes of what your words are saying. So it's not just name it and claim it, go around and say stuff. It's what are, what are the words doing around you and your relationships around you? And with the consequence, again, outcomes of his words, he must be satisfied, whether good or evil. Death and life. Okay, you know what the Hebrew translation is there? Literal death and life. It's that powerful. Your words are that powerful. They can take a life or they can give it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. What he's saying is your words don't just have power over the listener. They have power over you, the speaker. Your character is changing, is being filled up or decreased, and you're eating life or death by the fruit of your words. It's going in you. 
Your words have the power of the hearer and the listener as well as you, the speaker. And one of the things that you have to get out, that you have to make sure you're not silent on is confession. Um, there is a difference between confessing and venting. Okay, you have to know this, right? Venting, you know, I'll give an example, anger, right? Just, just venting all the things you hate about that person and you don't like about them and that you'd love to see happen to them. That's venting, right? That just puts skin and clothes on the anger and the sin in your own heart. The problem is in here and now it's out here too. It's not, it's not fixing anything. It's not confessing, that's venting. Confessing looks a little more like this in that example. I have an anger problem. I am struggling with anger. And, and it is making me think thoughts that are sinful. It's making me want to harm a person. It won't, it's making me want to imagine myself taking sinful action on somebody. It's creating bitterness. It's making me short in my other relationships. I have this problem with anger. That's confession. And that's different than venting. You have to get confession out. Why? Because it is healing. James 5 puts it this way. He says, therefore... Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so, you may be, so that you may be healed. Notice he doesn't say forgiven. You know, it's not like you have to confess your sins to like some sort of clergy or priest person that's then gonna forgive you. No, you know, God says, hey, I want you to come to me for forgiveness. It's right there on the cross. I want you to come to me for that, but I want you to go to each other for healing. And I'm telling you, I have seen this happen in my office. I, I mean, I don't want to be weird about it, but I mean, like, feel like physical healing. Like I've seen a person share something they've never shared before, and like it just get it off their chest, and they're almost like physically they're just breathing better. They're like getting more oxygen into. They're just breathing lighter. Their shoulders are relaxed. They're not muscles aren't up here. All you know, I mean, they're just. I mean, it's healing. I've seen it heal relationships. You know how many times like relationships are healed by someone coming out and saying, hey, I've got a sin problem here in my life and I need you to know it. I need you to hear this. I mean, think about this. A marriage, like two people fighting, right? And a struggle, the relationship is not healed. You know what starts to heal it? I'll be honest, in our marriage, I wish I could tell you I was the godlier one and it was always me, but it's usually Hannah. Like she's the one that starts with confession. She's a bride, look, I know we're fighting about this. I just got to own, I, I, I am sorry, I've been doing this. You know what my response is? It's, it's never like, I never power up after that. I go, yeah, you know what, me too. Me, you know, I screwed this up. I, I'm sorry, I should have I not responded that way. And, and what's happening? Healing, relationship healing. It was amazing is that when we get out ugly sin, negative stuff, when we get it out in a good way called confession, it's actually good fruit into our bodies into our spiritual bodies. Isn't that weird? Think about that. Negative stuff comes out. Ugly stuff comes out in confession, but it's actually really good fruit that actually nourishes us. You know what that verse says in James when he says, confess your sins to one another, you'll be healed. Dare I say this? God wants, ready for this? More for you than just forgiveness. I mean, some of us as Christians, we're, we are stopping right on the border of healing. We're, we're just satisfied with just forgiveness. And we're walking through life with a limp because we just won't, we won't go to the healing that God has put in place through other people. And notice that verse. It doesn't say, confess your sins to one another, and the other person's going to give you a bunch of advice on what they would do, and then you'll be healed. It doesn't say that. 
listen to me, the Bible is all for wise counsel. Go get wise counsel. You have to, you have to, you have to read your Bible and realize there is a lot of verses in Proverbs that talk about go get wise counsel from people, from counselors, from pastors, from mentors, get wise counsel. But what that verse is saying is that there is something healing about just getting it out to somebody who will hear you say it and then say nothing to you, but go right to God in prayer for you. Healing. You know, we do these James 5 healing services. We're gonna keep doing them. And you don't have to wait till one to do it. <laughs> you can talk to a pastor, myself, any of our elders in between service, you can do it. But in these James 5 healing services, they're trained. Like, they're gonna hear you confess stuff, struggles, things you're going through. And then they're not, they're not gonna give you advice. They're gonna go right to God because that's what the verse says. We're just gonna do what the Bible says. Let's just try that. Let's just try that. See if it works. It'll work because God, that's what God says. Here's, here's why this is so important. You need to hear this. Lying. Using words to tell somebody something that is not true. Using your words to tell somebody something that is not true. Lying. And not being honest with people about where you're really at, not being forthcoming or telling people with words about where you're really at in your life, not just with sin, but with struggles. Lying and not being forthcoming have the same outcome. Same outcome. They do the same thing to your loved ones and to your own life. Same thing. You know what they do? They distort the reality of the people they love you or that are in your life. You, just, you do violence to distort their reality, their understanding of reality. You're messing with it, you're changing it, you're doing violence to it. And here's the problem, the further that their reality gets from your reality, you know what that's called? The big gap between their reality and your loved one's reality and your reality? You know what that's called? Loneliness. You're lonely. You're isolated. You're gonna feel that gap. I mean, this is, this is why social media, right? Like social media, we're the most connected we've ever been as humans digitally with the world. And statistically, I mean, wife's a counselor, she'll tell you, the stats say as far back as I've been measuring loneliness, we are more lonely than we've ever been. No surprise, obvious. Social media is all of us presenting, myself included, I'm going to the Packer game tonight, and if we lose, I'm not posting, okay? So, and if I get pulled over and I don't have fun, it's not a good night, I'm not posting that. Okay, so, so you know, that, that reality on social media is always gonna be pluses, but our reality in real life is always pluses and minuses, a lot of minuses. But all we see, all we're digesting, all we're eating, all we're getting is other people's not reality, and all we're projecting is our not reality, and we wonder why we're lonely. If you don't have, look, I'm supposed to announce, you gotta join a Bible study, they're open now. The Bible study, small groups here, men's ministry, women's ministry, sign up, they'll kick off in a few weeks. You need people in your life that you can confess things to, you can deal with the fact that we're always drifting toward imperfection, <laughs> always. Deal with those things, and then they will hear it, they're not gonna try to fix you, and they will just pray for you. They'll bring it to God. You need people in your life. Sign up for that. You gotta get these words out. 
Okay, lastly, how do we use this power for good? We have to be careful about how we say stuff. It's not just what you say, not just what you don't say, it's also how you say it. There are a lot of people that I know, I'm sure no one in this room, but a lot of people that I know that think their job stops at the border of how the other person receives it, you know? Their job is just to post it, just to tweet it, just to say it, just to share it. And then what happens, what that person does with it, none of their concern. That is the equivalent of walking through the mall with a sword and just whipping it out randomly and swinging it. And whoever just happened to be around and gets hit with it, that's their problem, not yours. It's the same, it's reckless, right? What does the verse say? Read the Bible. Don't read it so fast. Proverbs 18, right? 20 and 21. It said, you are filled up. Your character is filled up by not your words, the fruit, the consequences of your words. Look, I'm not saying it's all on you how they receive what you say. I'm not saying that. Don't twist my words. I, what, I am also, what I'm also not saying is that it's all on them. You ought to be concerned with how they're going to hear it, how they're going to understand it, how they're going to receive it or not. Why? Because you're concerned about them over yourself. What's that called? Let's call love. Ephesians chapter 4 would say, share the truth in love. We share truth in love. Means you're not just responsible for what you say, what you don't say, or how you say it, you're also now responsible for why you are saying it. Love is about motivation. Why are you sharing that tweet? Do you love that? Are you, are you concerned for them? Are you willing to take responsibility? It's gonna cost you because love always does. Love is costly. It's less of me and more of other people. If it's all about me and me, then it's not love, it's selfishness, right? So are you concerned with how the other person's gonna handle that? Are you, how, are you gonna be willing to put in the work, the costly work of trying to help or even just give mental real estate to trying to make sure that it connects with them and adds value and helps them? Look, I'm not trying to be black and white about this, but here's one way to, here, here's one way to take this. Uh, Proverbs 15 might say it better than me. Um, Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. You wanna deal with the wrath out there in our world? digitally and physically and all that. You want to deal with it? Try gentleness. I mean, just try, even Jesus said, I am, his spirit is lowly and gentle. In Matthew, he says, I am lowly and gentle in spirit. Gentleness. Gentle is a, is like, that's his spirit. That's the spirit of God, gentleness. Yes. It's the most profound moments in your life are when God speaks to you and you realize how big he is, how powerful he is. And he comes to you in a whisper. And he's gentle with you. I'll crush you. This is another, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 15. Proverbs 25, 15, it says, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded. A gentle tongue can break a bone. You want to have the sharpest knife, the sharpest sword in the room? Try gentleness, it'll cut right through. You're trying to cut through the noise, trying to cut through the anger, the vitriol, the wrath, all the, the anger in our society right now. We tried the, the sharper blade, Gentleness. Um, this, uh, thinking about how you say something, 
thinking about how the person's gonna hear it, it is something that you're responsible for. Um, uh, I'm gonna leave that there. That one, I'm just gonna leave that there. I think we're, we're good on that. This is the last, this is a bonus, okay? This, I gave you three. This is the bonus, and this is where I wanna land the plane today. How do we use this power for good? Try let God's word doing the talking. God's word, the Bible, this text, it is the only word that has the real power to bring something into life that never existed before. I know in a room this size, we all got prayers. We're trying to ask God for things. We're trying to seek his will on things. And we're hoping for stuff and things in our life that absolutely do not exist. God's word has the power. God is the only one with the power to bring things into existence that never were there before. In your relationships, in your home, even in your own heart. It's only God's word. We're just reflections of that. This is the real power. Um, do you ever get the silent treatment from people? You ever get that? That's, there's probably nothing worse in, in all of life than thinking about, think about the person you love the most, your, your family, your spouse, your kids, your friends, your relatives, your, your, the person, the people that you love the most. Imagine them being so upset at you for some reason, just for a second, and they don't want anything to do with you. They just, they give you the silent treatment. They, they return every letter unread. They won't even listen to you. They will block you. They want nothing to do with you. And I'm describing something that you might be going through right now. This is debatably the most painful thing because when it cuts off like that, when the silent treatment hits, it cuts you off from things that actually sustain your life, right? Community. We don't live on bread alone. We live on community, people, relationship. And when the people we love the most give us the silent treatment, that is the worst. And some of you in this room, I know that some of you probably are asking the question, is that what God has been doing to me? I mean, some of you feel like God has been giving you the silent treatment. And I wanna ask you, are you, are you listening to his word? Or are you listening to the word that your emotions give you? Are you listening to the words based on your feelings? Are you listening to what you think is God's word based on your rational assessment of your current circumstances in life? Are you listening to what you think is God's word based on your rational assessment of historically your life and your past experiences? Or are you listening to the actual words of God, which have only, only these words have the power for, for you to see healing and transformation in your life? The way the Bible talks about God's words is even more less than um, empty air, you know, that's just hot air. God's words are even more than just like a sword that pierces there's a description of God's word in John chapter one that might be a little cryptic to read, but it's extremely profound and true. John chapter one, this is what God says about his word. In the beginning, if you recognize that phrase from the first verse of the first book of the first, uh, the first verse of the first book of the Bible, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made 
which we know, we read about that, that it was God's word that created. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And it ends this whole section on God's word in verse 14, where he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth in the flesh, in one word. Do you wanna know what God says about you? Do you wanna know what God thinks about you? Do you wanna know what God's word is all about? Do you wanna know the power of God's word that can create life where there's death, hope where there's despair? This is, the, this is the New Year's resolution that of all resolutions, right? This is every day is your resolution. Do you wanna hear that? Do you wanna know that? Do you wanna see its work in your life? The answer is Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is God's language. It's what he speaks. You wanna hear his voice about you? Do you wanna know what God thinks about you? It's Jesus, it's his life, it's his death, it's his resurrection, it's his sacrifice. And on that cross, between last breaths, he cries out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? Why have you been silent? And the heaven responds with nothing. Jesus endured the silent treatment from God. He was, God the Father turned his back on Jesus so that you never know that feeling if you believe in Jesus. If you hear God through Jesus, it will open your eyes, he will open your eyes and he will change you and bring something there, create something there that was not there before. Eternal life, salvation, hope, healing, and a change from the inside out. Why don't you stand as you're able? We are gonna sing in a moment. We're gonna use words that are put to rhythm and music and art, but they are no less words and they are no less powerful. And you are gonna sing them and they're gonna come out of your mouth and they have power, not just over the listeners, but over the speaker. Let's pray. Lord, our tongues are broken and we can't fix them with New Year resolutions that just try to say different things or use different words. Lord, we have a heart problem. It's the heart that drives the tongue. And Lord, we need you to fix that problem. We need you to come into the inside of us to break through and to do that work. And Lord, you have told us today, it only happens through your word. Jesus Christ. So Lord, we ask, Jesus, would you come into the heart? Would you change this from the inside out so that then, Lord, we can speak, we can bring change, we can bring hope, we can bring healing into this world through your word, through Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.